Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. I'm going to be bringing you a question that has been tough for me, and maybe some of you have wrestled with it as well. And, um, and that is, what do we do when God speaks and our current reality falls short of what he says? What do we do when that's the case? Now, to answer that question, before I answer that question, I need to um, clear up a few things, okay? So we're just going to put a few things, a few assumptions out there so that we're all on the same page before we wrestle with this question together. Um, Now, the first one is, let's start with the fact that God does speak, God does speak. He spoke in the past. We see that all through the Bible. If you believe that the Bible is the Word of God, then you believe that God has spoken. He still speaks. He still speaks. He speaks through His Word. He speaks through His Spirit. He speaks to nations and He speaks to individuals. And we see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 and verse 10, where it says, But to each one is given, so each of the believers is given the manifestation of the Spirit, the spiritual illumination and the enabling of the Holy Spirit for the common good. And then in verse 10, we see, To another is given prophecy, foretelling the future, speaking a new message from God to the people. So, We are going to move forward today knowing that God speaks and he isn't done speaking. Can we all agree with that? The second thing is that we need uh, that we need to clear up is that um, how do how do I know if I've heard from God? How do I know if I've heard from God? When we believe we've been given a word from God, we always need to keep in mind a few things. And and the first thing is that the purpose and goal of of true prophecy is the upbuilding the constructive spiritual progress, the encouragement, sometimes the consolation of people. And it is always for the common good. We've just read that. Another good test to see whether you've heard from God is um, will it, it might be accompanied by a peace. It'll, it'll settle in your heart. It will ring true to you. It, it might cons- confirm something that was already kind of rattling around in there that you were already wrestling with, that you were already asking God about. And it will always, always, always align with God's word. Okay, so if we, if we can check those check boxes, then we can be fairly confident that we have heard from God. Um, the third thing is the Bible is full of promises to you. Absolutely teeming with promises to you. So if you feel like you haven't had a specific word given to you, a prophecy on your life, then I would challenge you to look for the promises in the Bible. Because there are, be, there are between, depending on who you ask, 5,000 and 8,000 promises made to you in the Word of God. So I'm talking to everybody today. Okay? Number four, um, here's the other thing about a word from God. It will always come true. It will always come true because God does not lie. But it rarely looks like what you think and it rarely runs to the schedule that you would prefer. I've lived long enough to know that. (laughs) So that brings me back to the question, what do we do when God speaks and our current reality falls short of what he says? Because sometimes, to be honest with you, and I'm going to be really vulnerable with you right now, I sometimes think he takes too long for me. I'm prone to believe that he forgets what he said to me 
or that he might change his mind. I've been known to disqualify myself based on my feelings. I certainly have let doubt at different times steal away the certainty I've had about a specific word or promise coming to fruition in my life. And I don't think that I'm alone in some of those things. Can you, can you let me know though that I'm not alone? So not alone, great. If you're on the chat, just say not alone if you get it. Um, so I wanna ask you today, um, if you have had a word from God but you haven't seen it fulfilled yet, how are you doing with that? How are you doing with that? Now today we're gonna take a look at a word from God directly from the mouth of Jesus that took its sweet time. And in fact, it seemed to be altogether too late. And then we're gonna wrestle with this concept together and we're gonna challenge ourselves to not give in to these thoughts and feelings in the face of waiting on God. Are you with me? Great, let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are here. We thank you that you speak. We thank you that you care deeply about our lives. God, this morning, we wanna hear from you. We wanna be encouraged by you, Lord God. So for those of us who have felt any level of discomfort and discouragement or impatience around this type of thing, God, speak to us powerfully this morning. Encourage us, lift our head, Lord God. Remind us who you are and who we are in you, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's get into the, into the chapter. So we're gonna start with John 11, um, starting from verse one. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, and here's the word, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. So let me just pause there because here is what a word from God can do for you. It provides hope. It creates expectation and anticipation. It might cultivate a feeling of inclusion, that God sees you and then he's inviting you to be part of his plan. That's incredible. It clarifies direction. It births calling sometimes. These are amazing benefits, amazing benefits of hearing from God. Imagine how the disciples felt hearing this word from Jesus. They have just seen him heal a blind man restore sight. Their expectations are high. They would be buzzing. They're thinking, we're going to go see a healing. Let's go. Let's hit the road. But Jesus does something confounding. Um, Verse 5. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Good context. So, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he rushed to his side because like he loves them. That's what you would expect, right? But nope. It says he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. What is going on? What is going on? He loves the guy. He's God. So he knows how sick he is. In fact, by the time he receives the message, Lazarus is probably about to or has just died. But Jesus lingers. He doesn't rush. He delays his action. And I want you to imagine for a minute what that might have felt like for Lazarus' sisters. 
because scholars believe that Jesus was about a day away from Bethany when he received the news. So Mary and Martha are expecting to have Jesus turn up and he doesn't come. And he doesn't come the next day. And he doesn't come the next day or the day after that. And by the time he gets there, Lazarus has been in the grave for four days. And that's significant because by then the mourners are staying away from entering the grave. The body is starting to literally decay and time has taken its hold. Time has robbed them completely of hope four days in. So the great benefits of receiving a word or a promise from God, let's just bring them up again for a minute if we can. These things, these amazing benefits that you can see can be stolen away from you. They can be stolen away from you. And what a tragedy that is. They can be stolen by time, frustration, impatience, doubt, lack of confidence, disqualifying yourself. It actually reminds me of the parable of the sower. We read this in Matthew 13, starting in verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand and grasp it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. And that's kind of like, you know, someone gives you a word and you kind of go, oh, I I don't know what to do with that. Thanks anyway. And then uh, verse 20, the one on whom seed was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and at once welcomes it with joy, yet he has no substantial root in himself, but is only temporary. And when pressure or persecution comes because of the word, immediately he stumbles and falls away. This is kind of like you get an encouraging word, you're like, that's amazing. And then you get home and you kind of go, oh, but like, it's probably not for me though right? It's like, that's, that's a bit too special. <laughs> Sorry, it's not me. Verse 22, and the one on whom seed was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the worries and distractions of the world and the deceitfulness, the superficial pleasures and delights of riches choke the word and it yields no fruit. Great, I got a word. This is so great. And you hold on to it for a little while and time has its effect. And you experience a little bit of decay and distraction along the way, and you kind of go, yeah, I, yeah, I'm, st- I'm still believing for that word, but I, I'm, I'm a little busy doing this other stuff right now. And then uh, verse 23, the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil. This is the one who hears the word, understands, and grasps it. He indeed bears fruit and yields. Some a hundred times as much was sown, some 60 times as much, and some 30. We have to grasp it. We have got to grasp a hold of what God gives us. He gives us words for a reason. He gives us promises for a reason. They are good. They will come to pass. And we need to do some things to our soil to ensure that they are not stolen away from us. We're going to pick up the story in verse 20. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been here, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And we see Mary's reaction in verse 32. When she reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. And of course you'd kind of feel that way. 
Jesus got there on the fourth day and, and that was enough time for not only the body to decay, but also for a decay to set into the hope that these women and perhaps even the disciples would have had about the word he had given them about this situation. Hadn't he said that this sickness would not end in death? Well, what about you? Has your expectations or faith in the word you've been given or the promise that you wanted to hold on to Has it experienced some decay over time? What source are you consulting about what your future looks like? Is it God's word or is is this being eroded by time and circumstances and other people's opinions? Because the sisters right now, they're taking their cues from their circumstances and it's completely understandable. It's totally fair enough. But the dream of healing is four days dead. You know, sometimes we trust Jesus with everything but time. Some of us trust that God is going to get us to heaven one day. That's what Martha goes on to say and declare and believe from Jesus' words in this, in this passage. Some of us trust that Jesus dies on the cross for our sins. We trust him with everything, but the moment we feel delay, we feel forgotten. Verse 37, some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? You know, the real test of a mature Christian is do you trust me with my timing? Stephen Furtick puts it this way, trusting him in the meantime is where maturity is developed. Jesus had a habit of doing stuff on his own timeline. He still does. (laughs) Often to the frustration of people around him. With, with Lazarus, he absolutely appeared to be too late. Is your dream, your promise, your word dead and buried? He is not late. He's not late. He loves you dearly. He does care, but this, this account reveals to us that his timing produces something uncomfortable but incredible that leaves no doubt that God himself was involved. You see, Jesus was completely calm, took his time, and knew what he was doing because he knew what we didn't know, which is that it's fine, it's all good, I got this, right? And we need to understand, to understand his delay, we have to understand his perspective. His perspective was, it's fine. It's all good. I got it. He knew his word would come to pass. He knew when. So he was rested in the wait. You know, I find sitting still in transition and waiting for him to do things his way is the hardest thing ever. (laughs) Because the longer I wait, the more opposition can grow. Because where there's waiting, there is distraction, like we read in the parable of the sowers. There's opportunity to capitalize on the lack of progress, and doubt and discouragement actually have a chance to grow. When God gives you a promise, He will not fail you. He will not fail you, and there is rest in that. Take up His posture in the waiting. Rest and know that He is God, and who is He to lie? While I rest, while you rest, God is strategizing. Provision is being made. He's on the way. Don't lose hope. Don't fear you've been forgotten. Time is not your enemy in this. Watch how this plays out in the Lazarus account. Um, Verse 14. 
So then Jesus told his disciples plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. And then we pick it up when he's gone to him in verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved because he cares, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odour and he's been there for four days. And then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. See here another reminder of God's great care for us, that he would verbalize for our benefit a reminder that God hears us, that God has not forgotten us. You are heard and seen and he is coming, he is on the way. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. And just as, as Jesus said, this will not end in death. You know, his, his delay actually leads to a greater blessing, a greater demonstration of his power and willingness to intercede for us. Mary and Martha could have suffocated in frustration and disappointment when actually hope was right in front of them, inching closer all the time. And what a shame it would have been if they had succumbed to that frustration and disappointment and changed their view on who Jesus was because their hope had been eroded. What a shame that would have been when he was coming, he was on his way. Let me ask you again, has your word experienced some decay? Has your promise experienced some erosion? Has your hope been strangled? I'm going to say to you today, don't worry about that. Don't worry about the damage done because my God raises from the dead. He restores hope and makes things brand new. Lazarus came out whole, completely whole. He came out clean without the stench of death. Jesus can do the same today with whatever it is that you have buried. And he would say to you today, take off the grave clothes, unwrap that dream and allow it to live. Because we have a choice today. Do we let the promise be compromised and stolen away from us like good seed? Or is this going to be the place where we stand and say, actually, I'm going to discover a deeper trust and a rest as we wait for your word. So, how do we do that? We're going to shift to the really super practical now. And I'm, I'm going to help you as I help me <laughs> to plot a plan of how to wait well, okay? The first thing we need to do is hold on to and cultivate the good fruit from a word of God. So let's look at them again. We're going to bring them up on the screen. Any, any second now. We're going to bring them up on the screen. These great benefits that we have from getting a word of God. We grasp hold of these benefits. Remember, we're going to grasp a hold of it. We're going to do that by feeding them. Okay, so feed them. Number one, feed them. How do we feed? We read your Bible. I know, it sounds super obvious. But here's the thing. 
Build your confidence and hope by reading accounts of God coming through time and time again throughout history. He is unchanging. Read about his character and how much you can trust him. Read about his faithfulness and his constancy. Read about his intervention into circumstances. Read about his awesomeness and authority and his delicate care of the tiniest details. Read about the fact that you have purpose and your creation was intentional. Let these things feed your hope, your expectations and speak to your calling. It's not just read the Bible. This, like, this is awesome. Why would we not do this? Number two, we're going to pray. Okay, obviously. <laughs> we're going to pray. We're going to pray, but we're going to pray strategically. If you find yourself in a waiting room, so to speak, waiting on the fulfillment of his promises, let's use the time wisely. Pray into every aspect of the word or promise he has given you. Pray for equipping. Pray for clarification. Patience. Pray for eyes to see how he would see. Because I know that my version of, of events is probably going to look different to what his is. Pray into every aspect of it. Pray for equipping. Pray that your expectations would rise and that hope would not be um, stolen by the enemy and that it wouldn't be stolen by the ordinary. That we wouldn't be discouraged. 2 Timothy um, verse one, uh, chapter 1 verse 6 says, I remind you to fan into flames, fan into fl flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. He's not given us a spirit where we draw back. No, no, no. He's given us power, love, and self-discipline. Number three, another way to feed the benefits of hearing a word from God is partner with someone. We're going to partner. Find someone to share your word with, who will partner with you and pray with you, who can agree with you and encourage you, even keep you accountable if that's what's necessary. And can I just say as a side note, this should be a trusted voice in your world. Make it a trusted voice. James 5.16 says, Pray for one another that you may be healed and restored, even of disappointment, even of delay. The heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous believer can accomplish much. When put into action and made effective by God, it is dynamic and can have tremendous power. And number four, we're going to use the time and the wait to build capacity. You know, enrolments to uni and TAFE have been increased um, during COVID by people who, who are preparing for the next season. They might be between jobs or what have you. And, um, and you know what? That makes sense. It makes sense if you're waiting to use the time wisely to prepare where you can raise and build your capacity. So what does that look like for you? What does that look like for you? For the word or promise that you've been given? Are there spiritual disciplines that you need to get consistent with? Do you need to know or learn more about a specific thing? Um, ask God what to do to prepare for his word to come to pass. None of that time is going to be wasted. None of that time is going to be wasted. So these are some ways we feed the benefits of the word God has given us so that it can't be so easily stolen away over time. But I think we also need to address the things that eat away at the word. Those things like disappointment and all of that sort of stuff. Because the waiting 
The waiting is the most vulnerable place of insecurity, but it is also the most significant place of opportunity. I'm going to say it again. The waiting is the most vulnerable place of insecurity, but it is also the most significant place of opportunity. So to do this, to lean into that, we're going to focus. All right, so first we're going to feed, now we're going to focus. What are we going to focus on? We're going to focus on God, not me. God, not you. We've already established that God gives a word of a prophecy for the good and encouragement of his people. And you know what? That's it's awesome that there are benefits to us when he speaks to us. But God actually thinks bigger than that. He thinks bigger than, I, Trish, I'm going to give you a word, and you're going to be really encouraged by that. That's all. No, he thinks bigger than that. His plan has ripple effects. His glory will come to pass. He's got a bigger plan in mind when he gives you a promise and when he gives you a word. And how about we lean into that? <laughs> Because we need to get in, in, align our thinking with that bigness. Because part of Jesus' word about Lazarus was that his actions would be for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Right? One of the quickest ways to get frustrated, impatient, disqualify yourself or have raised doubts is to focus on my part to play and how I haven't got to play it yet. Right? That, that is stripping down a promise of God to its most basic level. And I, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, this has sometimes been one of my biggest challenges. So here's the thing. We're going to focus on God because it's God's timing. God's timing. Timing is up to God. If things were on my schedule, I would have burned out myself and others a long time ago. Like by the age of four probably. He just, he just knows more than us. Have we got that yet? Because that's a pretty um, good revelation to have about the God of the universe. He knows more than us. You will have probably heard Pastor Darren preach before on God handing over the promised land to the Israelites bit by bit, bit by bit, because they would have been consumed if they've got it all at once. This is true for so many aspects of our lives. Can you trust that God knows you intimately? He knows when the absolute best timing will be for you and for his broader plan. We have to learn to submit to his authority in that. Opportunities, also up to God. Proverbs 16.9, a man's mind plans his way and as he, as he journeys through life, but the Lord directs his steps and establishes them, which leads me to, it's God's power. It's God's power. You know, I would far prefer to see something amazing in my life happen that I had to wait a little bit longer for so that only God could have got it done than for me to strive, struggle, press, push, burnout on my way to getting the most that I could do on my own, right? There's no comparison to that. So I need to learn to wait on his power. Ephesians 3.16, may he grant you out of the riches of his glory to be strengthened and spiritually energized with power through his spirit in your inner self. And ultimately, it's God's character that will see his word fulfilled, not ours. 
He is perfect and faithful over time. Our character wavers, especially over time. God is at the centre of his word to you. God is at the centre of his promise to you. It is driven by his nature and it will be fulfilled by his power. So, If you have been tempted to dismiss your ability to see his word fulfilled, let me encourage you today. It is not up to you. It's not up to you. He wants you involved. We should not be sitting back and saying, cool, cool, you just do whatever you're going to do and I'll just be along for the ride. That's not how this works at all. (laughs) You know, it's not how it works. He wants us intimately involved, which is an incredible privilege, but we need his power to do the remarkable. Isaiah 46.10 in the message says, Remember your history, your long and rich history. I am God, the only God you've ever had or ever will, incomparable, irreplaceable, from the very beginning telling you what the ending will be, all along letting you in on what's going to happen, assuring you that I'm in this for the long haul. I'll do exactly what I set out to do. Finally, the third F. So we have feed, focus, and finally we have faith. Jeremiah 17, 7 says, Most blessed is the man who believes in, trusts in, and relies on the Lord and whose hope and confidence the Lord is. You know, one attitude that welcomes the presence of God into our lives is the attitude that honours Him above everyone and everything else. Our attitudes need to say, God, no matter what anyone else tells me, no matter what I feel, no matter what my plan is, if I clearly hear you say something and I know it's you, then I will honour you. And I will honour what you say above everything else. You know, sometimes we give more consideration to what people tell us than to what God says. And if we're ever going to develop an ability to hear from God and be led by His Spirit as a way of life, we have to start trusting the wisdom God puts in our hearts. It is good to receive good counsel, but make sure it is not the approval of people you are seeking. Because there is a really big difference between the two. So if God has spoken to you and you are yet to see the fulfilment of His Word, I want you to be encouraged today. Don't lose the good seed that was planted into you. Cultivate your soil, protect it, feed the seed, focus on the one who can fulfill the Word and have faith that He will in fact do it. In verse 26, Jesus gives Martha the opportunity for a confession of faith. He says, do you believe this? And today we have the same opportunity. So if you've been given a word from God and you've been left waiting and it feels like a little like it's dying on the vine and I I just want to, I want you to make this confession with me today. And maybe you're holding on to the promises in God's word and you're looking forward to seeing them in your life. If that's you, you can make this confession too. So why don't you stand, close your eyes, let me speak over you and you can agree by saying amen. Jesus, I believe you. Jesus, I declare I trust You. I trust in Your timing. You have not forgotten me. You see me. I wait for You. I wait for You, God. Thank You that You intervene for us and that You can do so much greater than what we can do. We submit ourselves, God, to Your good and perfect will. We thank You, God, that You're coming. Amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, 
head over to thechapelcollective.com.au. And thanks again for listening.